Welcome to Essential Coaching Conversations with Kyle and Asim. The real, relevant, and necessary coaching conversations to help you navigate coaching, teaching, learning, and life. Pros at this podcasting. So let's, I want to jump in right away because I think we've gone back and forth about this. Like, do we start by introducing who we are? I feel like if you're listening to the pod, you probably have some sort of clue who we are. And if you don't, that's probably better for you, I think, um, depending on who you are. But if you really want to know, you can find us at essential-coaching.net. Uh, Kyle, what is your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is at CoachK424. And mine Asim is at Rastogi, R-A-S-T-O-G-I, underscore Asim, A-S-E-E-M as in Mary. We'll also put that in the show notes so that you have the ability to go back, follow us on Twitter, see all the content that we're putting out. Uh, but hopefully you have some sort of idea of why you're here on this particular podcast. And, you know, this being our first episode and all, I think it's high time that we, we really think about the things that spurred why we decided to have these essential conversations. Yeah, I think it comes down to why uh, we, you and I have conversations every single day. What started our relationship almost between what, five and six years ago. Um, and we talk about being real relevant and necessary and the best professional development that either one of us has ever had is, is literally having this conversation but not just having it as a one-off conversation every now and then, or, you know, meeting up for coffee at a coaching clinic, you know, once a year, or, you know, when our teams play each other and, and those types of things, but, but building a, a, a real relevant necessary relationship with a peer, um, a colleague, a friend, and having these conversations every single day. Um, so we'll get, <laughs> we'll probably get into all of these, platitudes and tropes of, you know, 1% better and reps and grinding, et cetera, et cetera. But really that's, that's the nature of our relationship, right? It's, it's, it's reps after reps after reps. And I feel like we have had countless deep reps of real intentional learning just coming out of these, these conversations, which, I mean, they might be about offensive philosophy. They might be about environmental design. They, they might be about our, our wives, you know, it might be about how we handle going to Lowe's to, you know, set up our new house or whatever. They're, they're, they're real. And, and, and we don't really know what, where they're going to take us. Um, but what I think we've found is that wherever it takes us, we're getting something out of it uh, along the way. There's very few things, uh, especially like day to day that, in your normal sort of routine are fulfilling, right? I think that like a lot of people just kind of walk through it and they're just like, they do what they do every day. And really think about like the aggregate effect of those things. And I think it's easy to read about, like, you know, you see these people like posting things on Twitter, like, you know, do something every day. Like Jason Fry is a great example of that, right? With his breath work and beating the sun and all of that stuff. Like uh, to me, four o'clock is a PM time. Like I'm never going to wake up to beat the sun, especially here on the East coast where like it just rises so early. Um, but for him, the aggregate effect of that is very positive. 
And so when we think about like our conversations and how I think every single day since 2016, you and I have mm-hmm. talked about something. Yep. And over the course of that time, we have found a way to find meaning that applies to our daily lives, the bigger picture, everything that we do through those conversations. And so even when we started Essential Coaching, like that was the sort of wholly built on the idea that we could do that with other people. Mm-hmm. And we could be consistent with that and, and try to build something that fulfilled other people on a daily basis rather than just sort of every now and again. And so, yeah, there's the professional development side to it. Like, obviously, we do a ton of the professional development side with the chat, with our cohorts, with asking questions and rocketing literally everything, which we will do as we move forward on the podcast. Like, that is a for sure thing that we're going to pick something and just deep dive into it. But I think if we didn't explore first kind of how all of that came to be, I think the rest of it would seem pretty disingenuous. Like, we would just be like two guys who just are contrarian for being contrarian's sake. Shout out to Wink Wink Nudge Nudge. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I do think you're right about it. We are just two guys. <laughs> um, <and laughs> we're not special. We're, just, we're, we're not two, special. We're two, you know, formerly fired high school head coaches um, who are just trying to make our way in this world. Um, and, but I, again, I, I think, those two experiences that happened within about six months of each other, right after we, we met and started talking were, were two of the best things that ever happened to us um, oh, and are, are oh, a yeah. catalyst for why we are where we are. And, um, you know, we both work in college athletics now and um, bounced back and had some, a little success on the high school level. After all that, we can, you know, talk more about those things as we've done, you know, in the past on other places. But um, again, the, the platitude, you know, it's, not what happens to you it's how you know you respond to something right and so what does that really mean and i think i think we if we've done anything well it's sort of live that response um by having by having these conversations and and you you hit on something important too um is is finding what works for you right like everything out here is all about you know a hack some type of shortcut, some corner that we can cut, you know, what's the secret sauce? What's this, what's that, that I can do for my offense or leadership or player development or, you know, relationship building or whatever. What's the thing I can do to get there faster. It's like, you know, those, those things don't, don't really exist. You have to find what works for you. Um, and so like you mentioned, you know, Jay Fry, like he's found what works for him. And mm-hmm. one thing that I learned from him, you know, going through, his, his program was just the simple idea of like stacking those wins, you know, hit singles, not home runs. So, you know, we want to, we want to constantly, again, you know, sort of day by day, get better, 1% better, all those things that we hear people say, but like, what does that really mean and look like for you? Um, and, and for, for you and me, it was, again, just asking a question, being vulnerable, saying, I don't know something. What do you think about this? Here's an idea. I don't know if it's good. Maybe you can make it better. And that really has been the foundation of, of, of pretty much, you know, everything that we've, we've done. And then just the idea of, okay, if this worked for us, 
maybe it'll work for a third person. And how do we grow this, this circle and this group to allow other people in to this space where they can be vulnerable and ask questions and say, I don't know, or, Hey, I just got let go too. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. Or, Hey, I've been successful everywhere I've gone, but I'm still extremely insecure about what I'm doing because mm-hmm. I don't think the reason why we've had all that success is necessarily me. I've had really great players. How many coaches do you hear say that kind of thing out loud? Like it just, it doesn't happen, but they're able to, in a conversation with people that they, they have built that human component with and through. And, you know, if, if this is another platform that extends that circle a little bit wider and allows people to have conversations and think, whether it be, you know, in our, our, our cohort calls or in our group chats or on our messaging board or just in the chats on Monday or, or, or through this. And it gets people to think. And one thing that I, I do think that uh, the chat does our say this, our chats are hard. <laughs> Super hard. They're, they're hard. You know, a lot of they're hard to write. write. Yeah. We, we write these things and we don't have answers for some of them sometimes like full disclosure, like it's, it's hard to do. And so a lot of people, you know, they, they see them, they read them and they'll reach out and they'll say like, man, I, I saw the chat. I, I like the question, but I don't know the answer. I didn't want to post anything. And it's like, great, that's fine. You know, that's, it's not there to show off what you know necessarily. And just for reference, if you don't know, the chat that Kyle's talking about is every Monday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time on Twitter. And if you just follow the hashtag ECRACA, R-A-C-A, chat at 8 o'clock every Monday night, like clockwork, uh, we, we throw out a different topic and five to six questions that will really make you think to go through that reflection, awareness, clarity, and alignment pathway um, that we've created. And, and I think, you know, it is funny how many people lurk on that chat and they'll tell us afterwards, like, I didn't feel comfortable answering those questions in public, um, but I'll answer them through DM or, hey, sorry, I missed the chat. And, you know, it's always there. And I think that's the funny thing is like people jump in the next day and they've seen it with fresh eyes and they have like some really, really good responses to questions that I don't think really get asked unless it's, it's something where like there's a necessity for it to be asked, like we're losing or things aren't going well. I think for us and Kyle, I think you would agree with this. Like the entire point of the chat on Monday nights is to help coaches stack the deck. Mm-hmm. Right. We want you to be able to pull that ace out of the deck when you need to. And so by having you think about these things well in advance where they're really like it takes a lot of vulnerability, and a lot of guts to get on Twitter and like show the answer to this question that you've just heard for the first time. It's very different than if you're preparing for an interview and you're just going through kind of like standard interview questions. But if I were an athletic director, these are the questions I would be asking my coaches you know, in their end of year meetings, in interviews, in just casual meetings with them to get them to think a little bit deeper about that real and relevant and necessary work that has to be done to become a really, really good coach of whatever it is. Right. Yeah. This is not just, you know, we're both 
basketball guys, right? Basketball coaches. This we've we've got football, softball, track, swim and dive, um, soccer. soccer. People lacrosse. that don't coach, they just they just teach uh, lacrosse, cross country. Um, you know, it's that's why we we don't necessarily want to to pigeonhole anybody or typecast anybody in because in high school you also likely don't just coach one sport. If you work at a small school, you might be the head varsity basketball coach, but you're also the offensive line coach or mm. special teams coordinator, or you're the third base coach for the softball team, or you might even run, just simply run a club, you know, 4-H, DECA, FCA, student council, like whatever. You're involved with other things. You might be involved in, in some of the arts, music, drama, and you know, I've been real open about my my background in music and how great that was for me um, from a personal growth standpoint, you know, and, and just growing up and developing as a, as a you know, a youth and a, and a young adult that, you know, we think it's hard to tell a, a kid that he's not going to be the starting point guard. You know, uh, a drama teacher or a music teacher every single day has to go in there and tell some kid that they're not the lead role, mm -hmm. you know, in the play or that they're not first chair and they're you know, a, a trumpet or what, whatever the case may be like these types of issues and these essential conversations are happening all around us, just like they are from an athletic director to their coaches, from a principal or administrator to their teachers, just like you are as a parent to your, your kid at, at, at home, or just, you know, working in your, you know, your typical nine to five job, because maybe you coach youth basketball on the weekends or you're an AAU coach and it's not really your full-time gig, but you, you work in IT for a company and we have this conversation about something that happens at practice. And you're like, man, that, that's happening to me at work right now. Mm -hmm. you no, know, I'm dealing with that same issue with my boss or I am the boss and I'm dealing with that with some of my employees or people that are right under, you know, my command or whatever. Um, the point is, is that we are all different yet fundamentally the same. We all have mm -hmm. different problems but yet fundamentally the same problems. Um, when you and I cross paths, we, we, we really can't be two different people background wise. Um, <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't be in two completely different situations, you know, coaching, no wise, doubt. but no every doubt. single thing that we talked about, there was some unifying theme or, or central vein that we were both dealing with. And that I think is something that if you talk about with somebody, they kind of say that they notice it and they see it, but we don't really think about it mm -hmm. in our everyday life. And we don't really notice just how much we all have in common. You know, if I'm the, if I'm the girls basketball coach at the, at the school, I'm envious of what the football team is getting. Right. But I don't realize that the same issues I've got, the football coach is dealing with something similar. We all feel like our problems are the biggest problems on campus, which they're not. Right. Like we're all sort of in this thing together um, and we're likely also coaching a lot of the same kids. You know, again, I, I, I speak from this small school perspective because that's where I spent most of my time. Um, but I had to share athletes. You know, there were kids that would miss certain things because they had to go to not just a, a seven on seven or a baseball tournament. I mean, I, I literally had a kid late for a tournament one time because he was at a quiz bowl you know, mm -hmm. across, uh, across the state, a couple hours away, you know, and, and you just, those, those things come up, they happen. 
And it's real easy to sort of say like, well, if you're not there, you're not committed and you know, you're off the team or whatever. But when we step back and realize that a lot of our kids aren't going to go play collegiately or professionally, or they might not even make it through your high school program. There's other things that they're interested in and how do you sort of balance those things? And again, I, I say that as a, as a, as someone that was in, in band and basketball and was very fortunate to have not only a head coach, but a director that understood that I had two different passions and they fueled both of those. And I actually went to school on a music scholarship, not an athletic scholarship. So I wouldn't have gotten those opportunities if I didn't have, you know, two, two other adults in my, which they, it might've drove them crazy. I don't know. Like they might've hated the fact that I was, but I never knew that they never showed that to me. They might've had knockdown drag out fights about, you know, Kyle needs to be here. Or I can't lose this. Or I, or I might not have been that important. <laughs> I might, I might be sort of thinking that my presence was a little, <laughs> don't a little minimize bit the importance of the, of the yeah. corner three specialists. Yeah. So, but but the fact that I felt like they both supported me in each of those arenas meant everything. And, um, and again, I think that's something that we, if you were to ask a coach, they would say that they were into, but do we actually live that out through our actions every single day? Yeah, no, I, I think one thing that you just said really got my, and this is what happens when we have these conversations. Like I, I really would love to know, and maybe like, you know, the six people that listen to this at some point could tell us how many of them have gone and sought the advice of the drama director when it's time to make cuts for your basketball team, your football team, whatever it is. I think to be, to be perfectly honest with you, I think coaches are really, really bad at all the things that they should be really good at because they have to do it a lot. And so what I mean by that is this, how many coaches go and try to learn from the guidance counselor about how to talk to all the different kids that are at the school and vice versa, right? Coaches are good at that. Like, I think we, mm-hmm. we have the skill to do it, but I think there are people that we're around on a daily basis that have the, like you said, the exact same struggles that we do, but their skill sets are vastly different than ours. And so, you know, how do you, from a college perspective, for example, so, working at a very high academic division three school right now. I can't tell you how many times money has come up in a recruiting conversation. Who better to talk to about how to talk about money than the people at student financial services. But usually any conversation that any coach has with those people is because we need something, not because we're trying to learn from them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I just think about, you know, how that would impact somebody who's in your similar situation where they needed two adults to be on the same page. They needed two adults to support them. How do we manufacture that over and over and over and over again? Right. So then the other thing that you said to take this back probably 10 minutes ago now, you're talking about, and this is something that I think we will discuss a lot in, in, in coming episodes this idea of like, what can I get to become better at like 1% better at leadership or 1% better at this or whatever, whatever, whatever. And I think the question really has to be reframed as what can I do to do that? Not what can I get to do that? But I think the question that coaches are asking, and we see this all the time, right? I can put out my flex tape meme every day about something that's going on. 
you know, they, we just want to collect those things instead of doing something, instead of learning something, instead of engaging with these types of questions and these types of conversations to say like, hey, maybe there is a better way to take what some curriculum somebody's offering and actually do it better and ask questions instead of just saying, all right, I'm going to add this to my proverbial toolbox. And now I'm just walking around with a heavier toolbox, but the problems are still weighing me down. Um, and so I, I found that, you know, even throughout our work with, with numerous different, you know, companies and people and whatever, the one thing that kept grounding me personally was our conversations and how we were able to help dig through things to actually create some sort of actionable change as opposed to just like collecting a resource and saying like, yes, this is something that we absolutely need. I'm gonna put this in my Google Drive and keep it moving. But a, a big, I think part of that is we as coaches are looked to for answers, right? Mm -hmm. Like from, from, uh, from our staff, especially if you're a head coach, from our players, from our parents, you don't want to look like you don't have an answer in front of those people. You don't want to look like you don't have an answer in front of your AD, an mm -hmm. administrator, the fans, depending on, you know, what type of market you're in. And, you know, maybe you've got local media that come to games and, you know, the, whatever the coverage is, like whether you're in a, a you know, a sort of proverbial big pond or a small one, our small society is big where we are, right? Like it's, even if you're in a school with 140 high school kids in a village of 600 people, right? That's the biggest world that they live in. And so everything to everybody feels like it's of the utmost importance. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like we as coaches can't ask questions, we have to have nothing but answers. And so this drives us to constantly collect information. I don't know anything, but if I have the library deep enough and my resource bag is deep enough, I'll know that somewhere in there, I have the answer that I need. Even though I've got no idea where it is, I have no idea right. how to actually utilize it, but I've got an answer that I can pull out and flip through my card catalog and say like, okay, well, this is an issue. Boom. This is how I'm going to handle it because this was on page four of these clinic notes that I got secondhand from somebody else who may or may not have actually gone to this speech or not, but it's a piece of information. And it's, it's about actualizing what those things are. And then again, like where we're all the same. So I'm going to contradict myself here a little bit. We are all the same, but yet our, the, the context and the nuance of everything is where we differ. And so while we're all dealing with the same problems, those quote unquote same answers aren't necessarily going to work for you or me. So you and I are dealing with these same issues in two completely different places. And we realize that we connect over those things, but the way I'm going to have to handle it coaching high school boys might be different if you're coaching college females or the way I would handle it coaching basketball is going to be completely different if I'm coaching tennis mm -hmm. because the, this, the, this, the structure and the, the environment in which a basketball player lives in versus a tennis player 
especially while playing singles where you can't call timeouts and talk to them and teach to them and, and those types of things where they're basically out there on an island by themselves. You've got to learn to do a lot of that work before all of that happens. And we feel like in, in, in basketball specifically that we can control things all the time. They give us five timeouts in a game to stop when things go wrong. Like they're giving you sort of five bailout cards plus a couple of quarter breaks and a half time. And, you know, depending on, again, your level and where you are, college male versus female is a little bit different. But um, we're, we're looked to as if we're supposed to have all the answers all the time. And if that's the way you're living, at what point are you supposed to actually develop? You can't. Well, and, and to that point, like, where do answers come from? They come from questions. And so if we're not taking the time to ask those relevant, real, necessary questions like we do, then the answer is pretty meaningless because it's going to be somebody else's. So, yeah, we were in very different situations. I mean, truth be told, I don't think we could have been in two more different situations. I mean, right. you, were, you were coaching the guys at Simsboro, super small village, like totally different demographic. I was coaching in the largest school system in the country, right? One of the most affluent places in the country, coaching, coaching girls at the high school level. And like, yet we're still sitting there talking about entitlement. Mm-hmm. I remember clear as day, you know, we were talking about how I think you guys had gotten them the new Kyrie Starbursts. I think that was the shoe that y'all had gotten them. You had gotten them new uniforms or something yep. like that. Shoes. And, 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 you know, it was like, they were super thankful for it at the moment. And then like, I don't know if any, what it was, but like, it was the exact same thing that had happened that when I had bought our team brand new uniforms and like three out of 16 kids said, thank you. Right. And it was just like this idea that, man, like we're in two totally different places, but the problem was the same that we were dealing Mm -hmm. with, like some sort of entitlement that had popped up. And at the end of the day, like it's not the biggest deal in the world. Right. There's a million other things that we dealt with as as head coaches, as assistant coaches, as, as people working in college athletics. There's a million different things that come up. But the way that we were able to talk through that. And the questions we were able to ask each other that was relevant to each other's context helped us handle that moving forward. And I think that's something where coaches, like when we have had our cohorts, when we have had even like one-off conversations with coaches who are interested in essential coaching or, you know, with one of our member coaches calls us, like being able to, we can probably ask the same questions to 10 different coaches and have it apply to their context and get 10 different answers. But -hmm. those answers are going to lead to the clarity that they need in order to address whatever situation that they're in. Uh, You know, even, even just this past summer, like in July, I had coaches texting me that are in our, you know, they're member coaches, they're coaching AAU. They're like, Hey, what do I do against this type of defense? Like what have you seen my team play? What needs to happen? And even those conversations, yes, they're very, very sports specific. They're very X's and O's type specific things. It really doesn't matter because at the end of the day, my response to those things was nine times out of 10 going to be a question. Mm -hmm. What do you need to do this? Like, how are you going to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is? Um, You know, and, and I think if we can start to turn the tide, even for one coach, one coach at a time, 
to question what they're doing and to believe that they could do things better and they don't need a billion resources to do it, the one resource they really need is to be able to be reflective when they're asked a question and to have somebody that's going to ask them those questions that aren't, hey, what are you going to run this year? Mm -hmm. Hey, can you send me your PDF for your cover two defense or whatever, right? Like there has to be more to it than just that. And so that's where we get into that, the idea of the human component. I think like, you know, truth be told, I think we sort of get a bad rap as like the human component guys that, you know, human component being like, you're supposed to be soft on the kids or like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, you got a reason with it. I'm like, yes, a lot of that is true, but the human component is way more than that. If we're not asking authentic questions to be able to connect with each other, and communicate and develop that trust and respect in a real relationship, then what are we actually doing in any walk of life? And once you have that trust and that respect and that real relationship, and you've recruited that person over and over and over again, you can start to challenge them. You can start to ask the tougher questions that require more reflection. And so I think like, maybe that's something we need to discuss on the, on this, in this medium, um, sort of at length is like how the human component actually manifests itself and what it is and what it is not. Um, Cause I think there's, there's a lot of misconceptions about that, but it, everything starts and ends with that, especially in this, in this space of like coach development. Mm-hmm. And I would add too, Mike, not just the reflective piece of that question, having somebody that will ask you that question but also having someone that will ask you the next question and Mm -hmm. then the third question and the fourth one to continually go deeper. So we talk a lot about, you know, inch wide, mile deep, right? It's not about asking, it's not about answering 10 questions off a surface level. It's Mm -hmm. about asking one or two and then finding those next things. So I, you know, at my heart, I'm a, I'm a science teacher, a biology teacher. So to me, science scientific method, inquiry, scientific reasoning is not about collecting and analyzing the data because like numbers don't lie. It's not that numbers don't lie, but they tell incomplete truths. Mm -hmm. We can make numbers and data say what we want it to. I can cherry pick data and and spin what I want to spin. To me, what that process is about is the curiosity and the questioning. And the, and the constantly not, it's not that you're trying to prove something right. It's that you're doing everything you can to where you can't prove it wrong. Mm. And so when somebody has a theory, somebody has a hypothesis in an experiment or they want to test something, they come out with their data and they say, I think this happened. And then other, other colleagues in the field retest and they look at it from different angles and they don't do that to try to prove it right. They are trying to actively prove it wrong. But if they cannot prove it wrong, then we start to believe, okay, well, this might actually be something here. Then this might actually go from a hypothesis to a theory where it's actually found in, in a lot of deep-rooted thinking and, and, and a lot of data to support it. But I feel like in, in our profession specifically, we are coaches. We are some of the best people in the world. I really do believe that. But we're also some of the most sensitive 
And we, we very much take offense to somebody questioning the answer that we've got because I've got it in my bag somewhere. When in reality, we should take that as a compliment and we should hit that challenge head on. You want to question what I'm doing? I'm not going to sit here and ask you to try to prove me right. I want you to poke holes in everything I'm doing and try to prove me wrong. And if I, and, and I, I use right or wrong kind of in quotation marks, not that anything is necessarily 100% definitively right or wrong, right? There's a hundred shades of gray and all these things. But if you, if, if, if we cannot have a conversation where you're asking me why I'm doing something on the offensive end and I get frustrated and, and upset because you're asking me these questions and I think that you're just being contrarian to be contrarian, then who is the one with the problem? Who is the one that really needs to sit there and be reflective? And so I think when, when you can get into these conversations and somebody asks you that second, that third, that fourth, maybe even that fifth question forcing you to go deeper, don't mm-hmm. take that as somebody's attacking your position. Take that as a compliment because you're then actually teaching them something and you're teaching yourself something too, because you're having to defend what it is that you're doing. And we talk about connections all the time. And if, if my seventh grade science kids can take a final where they have to make connections between earth life and physical science that are totally different subjects, but yet the same and unify those, then you as an adult professional should be, could be able to talk and connect why our offense and our defensive transition are connected. That -hmm. our shot selection philosophy on defense is in synergy with our shot selection philosophy on defense and the way that we play post defense is tied into how we play perimeter defense and those types of things and that and that's assuming that there's a an actual philosophy at all right which is i think could be its own episode slash months worth of episode of developing an actual philosophy and you know it's hard when you know, you do want to poke holes. And I think, you know, we've used the phrase before and in a couple other ways of like hacking your standards and, and using that idea of hacking as like what people pay millions of, or companies pay millions of dollars for is like poke holes in their firewall and find where the deficiencies are. Um, and so when you try to do that with somebody without having that relationship, it does come across as very much like this person is attacking me and mm-hmm. I don't want to look stupid. And so I would much rather just disengage. Whereas if we have done what we're supposed to do with the human component and creating that connection through asking those next questions, then when it comes time to actually hack those standards, we're then sharpening each other, right? Just the same way that you and I would sharpen each other. Like you could look at our game tape from, from the school that I'm at and be like, Hey, why'd you guys do this? Right. What if we did this? What was the coaching point here? How do your kids internalize this? Right. That's not you attacking me. That's you making me think about, Hey, maybe we're not giving the best feedback we could in practice. And so then the next day when I go and I have my practice plan, like I'm writing little notes about our conversation. And and that to me is invaluable. I think, you know, staffs as a whole. I mean, obviously like 
you're bound by resources. But I think staffs as a whole, whether it's a professional teaching staff, whether it is an administrative staff, a coaching staff, whatever it is, need to have somebody who's not within the organization offering those types of things. And that's what we do, right? We, we are about as impartial as it comes. Like we want to see people be successful, but we're also gonna do it from an outside perspective where we will try to help you hack whatever it is you're trying to do, right? To poke holes in those things and, and, and make them better so that everything can be more aligned. And I think that's, that's what's missing. And so even when we, you know, talk about things like coach speak or, you know, any number of these videos that are now popping up that are branded, even though they're somebody else's video, like we could do an episode each on all of those and just take, take, not, I mean, take a sledgehammer to them, but also ask the question and help people think about like, Hey, is this really something that I should be consuming? Is this really something that helps my coaching get better? Or can I take this, learn to do this on my own and become a more critical consumer of that information? Right. And getting back to what, what we essentially are about, right, is the essential piece of if I can only do one thing, what's that going to be? Mm-hmm. If we had to be good at one thing on defense, what's that going to be? If we had to forsake everything else on offense, what's the one thing that we want to do? And when you really start to boil those things down through that lens, getting to what is essential, then you become a lot pickier as to, okay, well, yes, this is, this used to be sort of entertaining, but it's not really the relevant and necessary to, to what we said is going to be essential. So I've got to have some, some character about me. I've got to have some discipline about me and I've got to say no, and I've got to not go down that road. And you, you hit on something here a second ago about coaches. If, if they feel, or if we feel like we're being attacked, we'll just sort of opt out of the conversation. We'll disengage, but that's the very thing that we as adults don't let our kids do. You know, we expect so much more from our players and our students and our kids than we do of ourselves. We would never allow a player in practice to just opt out because it got uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We all talk about how the only way to get un, you know, comfortable is to get uncomfortable and you've got to get out of that comfort zone and train ugly and, and do all these things. But yet when we feel like that, we just, it's like, we can, we can just sort of all of a sudden stop being what we say we're supposed to be and what we believe in and go in a completely different, different direction. And so if you've ever seen us, you know, use the hashtag least committed, That's what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. It's not that you don't care. It's not that you're not committed. It's not that you're a bad person. I mean, we, we are all these things. And if, if, if somebody's still listening at this point through this episode, (laughs) please, (laughs) please know and understand this. We do not have the answers. We don't have all of the solutions, right? Because the only, we believe that the only person that has the solution you need is you. Now, if we do have anything, it's questions and it can, and, it, and I get it. Like it's hard to be asked over and over and over again to the point where it might be a little annoying and you get to a point where you get a little frustrated or whatever. And that's great. But again, it's the same thing we would want from our players because that level of frustration, that level of I'm annoyed because coach is making me run one more 
down and back or coaches making me shoot 10 more shots because he doesn't like the way my wrist was coming off the ball, whatever. Those little annoying things that we have all gotten on in a, a post-game speech or on Twitter or in front of a parent meeting and said, you know, I'm going to, I'm, you know, what is it? Uh, brutal honesty. I'm going to give you brutal mm-hmm. honesty and I'm going to, I'm going to come at you so hard that you're going to be, you know, pissed at me and frustrated with me, but one day yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to push you. I'm going right? to push gonna, you like, right. Yeah. So, but when that is expected of us and our growth, but yet in the same exact breath, every coach you talk to at a clinic says they're a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. We all say that we want to continually grow. If you're the, if you're not the, you know, if you're not the dumbest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, right? If you're the smartest person in the room, then you need to find another room until the smarter people in the room start asking you a bunch of questions and you want to go run into your own room by yourself with all of your PDFs and your DVDs and all that kind of stuff, because it's comforting and it makes you feel better. Cause every time you, you watch or you read one of those and we scribble something on a notepad and we text it to our assistants, that works 100% of the time mm-hmm. because nobody's defending us yet. To and make you I, feel better. It makes you feel better. 100% it does. And that's great in that little moment. And maybe that's the confidence that you need to get up and go to practice the next day. Maybe that's the confidence you need to have that difficult conversation with a parent the next day. And we're not saying that those things don't happen or aren't relevant at all. But from what we've seen, that's 90, 95. We, we make up statistics, right? We can, we can make up statistics we, like everybody else 90%, does. Just use 90% because 90% is the most what, used statistic in coaching. of the time, right. That, that is what we're going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time, I can just pull something out of my, my binder and that's going to work until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I've got 11, 15-year-olds staring at me in a huddle wanting answers and realizing that maybe I don't have them in that moment. And then what do I do? And to offer up that vulnerability. And again, like what coach is going to say, I don't know, especially in the middle of the huddle. Well, hopefully it doesn't get to that point because we've stacked the deck. We've done all this work. We used our quote unquote development season to poke and prod our way through all of these things. And while it might be nice to play 25 summer league games and go to all these tournaments and do this and that. And maybe we read 10, 10 books and we joined three groups and we did all those things. That's good. But if we're not actively reflecting on it and finding something that's actionable for us in our particular situation, then we're just going to be left in that same huddle a year from now with the same blank stare and, and no, no closer to a solution than, than when we started. Yeah. And again, we say all think, this because we're 100% guilty of all of these things. Every we, we, single thing. Right. Every single thing. And so that's what, you know, as we sort of wrap up here in this, this first episode, this was great. I mean, I, we honestly like didn't know where this was going to go. Right. Like we, we didn't agree to just kind of do this. We never we just did. wanted to see what was going to happen. We never know where it's going to go. I mean, obviously I think moving forward, we'll have some, some different topics, but even those will, will sort of digress into other things where we try to sharpen and sharpen and sharpen. But I think, you know, it, it as we wrap up, that's the one thing we hope that those of you that are still listening to this point, 
take from this is that this is not two guys talking about having all the answers. We do not. We are not two bros who decided to start a podcast because we have answers and because we want to give you information that's going to change your life. We are not those people. We have way more questions than we do answers. And we have a lot of theories that may or may not work for you. But we're hopeful that you give it a chance. We're hopeful that we can engage with you via social media. DMs are always open. Feel free to send us a, a tweet, whatever it is. Um, you know, we really just, we're here to serve and add value to the coaching, leading, and education community. I mean, that's really what this is. And we don't offer one-size-fits-all type things. We don't do any of that because there's so much of that and none of it really works for everybody. The only thing that works for you is something that is within your context and deals with your answers. And so we're the ones who are going to ask you those questions and, and be with you along the way. So, you know, as we wrap up, just want to say for those that are still listening, we appreciate you. And hopefully we can come out at least once a week with some episodes and, and add value to your coaching journey. And, you know, if you're in the car on a commute or something like that, and you feel so inclined, please drop us that five-star review at some point. I think that's what we're supposed to ask for, right? Yeah, it's um, by law. You have to ask for that. You have to smash that, that subscribe button. I think that's what all the kids say these days. And uh, Kyle, anything else to wrap up? No, we just appreciate both of you listening. Uh, hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> my my um, wife will listen at some point. You know, yeah. I'll put her. No, in, I'll it, put it in the queue for her. In all seriousness, it, it, at the end of the day, if 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 one person listens to this and gets something out of it, then great. But it, it, we are having this conversation because we hope it benefits you. But we're really having this conversation because we know it benefits both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, because every time we talk, we learn something. Um, and so, yeah, this is hopefully the beginning of, of just more of those conversations. And so if somebody's out there listening and it's getting you to think, you know, let us know. Um, and again, we, we might be able to, to ask that next question, the next real relevant, make the next connection, ask the next question. And, you know, if that's the way that you get 1% better today or tomorrow, that's why we're here.